Welcome to the St. Andrew's Sunday Morning Sermon Podcast. You can connect with us online at www.gosaintandrew.com. In the ninth chapter of 2 Corinthians, Paul appeals to the church in Corinth to give generously toward the poor in Jerusalem, trusting that God will provide for Corinth as God uses Corinth to provide for those siblings in need. For Paul, the gift of generosity is an act of the Greek koinonia, that is, dynamic communion with God and with others. Let's hear from Paul now as we read his appeal to the church in Corinth. Today's reading is from 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 through 15, from the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. The point is this, the one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each of you must give as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to provide you with every blessing and abundance, so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. As it is written, he scatters abroad, he gives to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for your great generosity, which will produce thanksgiving to God through us. For the rendering of this ministry not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also overflows with many thanksgivings to God. Through the testing of this ministry, you glorify God by your obedience to the confession of the gospel of Christ, and by the generosity of your sharing with them and with all others while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God that he has given to you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. When did you learn this prayer? or at least hear this prayer. I was a freshman in high school at St. Cecilia Academy for Young Women. Long story as to why I was there, <coughs> punishment, but my sister loved it and she was a senior there when I started. As it turned out, it was only for a year that I attended St. Cecilia. I'd heard horror stories about Sister Mary David who taught the freshman English classes. I heard that she was so difficult. Also knew that my sister said she was a gem. Anyway, early in my freshman year, Sister Mary David had us memorize and recite to the class the prayer of St. Francis. As you can imagine, the girls were not excited about this. One by one, they got up in front of the class and they quietly and quickly recited the prayer. Not Lauren. No, being a musical theater lover and actor, I proudly stood before my new classmates 
and boldly recited, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Of course, I was laughed at and witnessed eye rolls because who enjoys reciting something in front of a class? Turns out I did and do. So when I heard that we would be preaching about this prayer, of course I got super excited. In fact, we're in the home stretch of the peace prayer. We have this sermon and two more weeks. What a wonderful way to dive into prayer and this specific prayer to learn more about the God who loves us and calls us to become the best of ourselves, an instrument of God's peace, to sow love, to pardon, to bring faith, hope, light, and joy to others and ourselves. As we talked about last week, to console, understand, and love. So now we're to the line, for it is in giving that we receive. At its simplest, we can think of giving a child a flower or an ice cream cone. When you give a child something particularly unexpected, what do you receive in return? A big smile, maybe a thank you, and if you're really lucky, an awesome hug. We do receive when we give. There's no denying it. Now, if we give in order to receive, um, that's not preferred, at least by Paul and this scripture. If there are strings attached to our giving, it kind of makes it something else. There certainly are benefits to giving, and we can't deny that, even if we aren't expecting a return on investment. And this chapter to the Corinthians, Paul makes it clear, giving must be decided in one's own heart, that it should be not given reluctantly or out of necessity. And he quotes Proverbs saying that God loves a cheerful giver. Okay, don't give because you feel like you have to. Got it. Paul lays out for us three points that are helpful. First, God is the initial giver of all good things. We can only give because God first gave. Number two, because God has given to us, life is better than it would be if we didn't recognize it. Number three, because God has given us all the things, we are called to share those good works with others. Let's unpack these a bit. The first one's easy. God created the world and all that's in it. God also gave us God's grace, which covers all our mistakes and wrongs and shortcomings. God freely gives God's grace to us through Jesus Christ. When something bad happens in our lives, we're quick to make meaning of it. It's God's will. Um, God doesn't give us more than we can handle. Or why did God allow this awful thing to happen? Except in our theology, our study of God, it says that God is all good. Literally all the things. God gives us our good. Therefore, when bad things happen, that's not God. But can God help us make something good out of a bad situation? Can God use what's happened to us for good? Our theology says yes. We can ask God, okay, this bad thing happened. Please help me use this for good or move on in a positive way. 
We're given this free gift of God's grace that covers all the bad and gives us eternal life. Number two, let's call this the vertical from God to us and the horizontal from us to them. The second point by Paul reminds us that God's grace does make our lives better. It certainly gives our lives more meaning. There are stories of people like Corey Ten Boom, a Christian in a German concentration camp, that although she was in a horrible situation, she knew God's grace covered her, and that even if she were to die there as her sister did, she had God's love and grace, and that made her incredibly difficult situation better. Or stories of enslaved people in the South who learned about God and God's grace. They wrote songs like, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Their lives weren't their own. They were enslaved, working for nothing, being beaten and sometimes starved, having their children taken away from them and sold. What a grim existence. But they knew the Lord. They prayed to the Lord. They felt God's grace and they knew it covered them and they were banking on heaven being much better than Alabama, Tennessee, Virginia, wherever they were, you name it. The peace that we have as Christians comes from knowing that God, our creator, loves us. The CEO, the big honcho, the biggest, greatest creator of all creators knows us personally, loves us personally. We can talk to God personally whenever we want. The peace comes from knowing that God's grace covers all our mistakes and sins. We are guaranteed a place in heaven because of God's grace. The peace comes from wanting to be like Jesus who loves us so much. So we strive to be more like him in the way we love and care for others. Number three. The vertical from God to us and the horizontal from us to them. Because God has given us all the things, we're called to share those good works with others. Paul is quick to say, and again, our theology rears its head in this way, to say, we do not believe in works righteousness. We aren't required to do good deeds to buy our way into heaven. Let me say that again. We aren't required to do good deeds to buy our way into heaven. We are called, we are offered the opportunity to freely share our gifts and good works with others out of our gratitude for what God has done. We often see this in our lives when someone does something nice or extravagant for us out of gratitude for what they've done, we give to them or pay it forward. When our son was little, we were really strapped for cash. We could pay our bills, but if something unexpected arose, as it was apt to do, we got strapped. One day out of the blue, we received a note from my best friend that said, we sold our house and we're buying a new one. We had some extra and we wanted to share it with you. With the note was a check for $1,000. We cried and cried and cried. We were blown away by the gift and the timeliness of it. 
I hadn't shared financial information with her, but she sent it and we really needed it. As a result of that generous gift, we have sent financial gifts to friends when we can. It's a joy to give in this way, and we were inspired by our friends. Paul and God don't give us a prescription for what good works need to be, but there are suggestions such as caring for those in need, the poor. Don't ask if they deserve it, just give from your abundance. Good works are praying for others, sitting with friends who are sick, driving someone to the doctor's appointment, or caring for a neighbor's child so the parent can get a haircut or go to the store. Again, these good works aren't required for salvation. Instead, they are the fruit of the grace God has given. Last week, Rev. Mark talked about a journey of faith, of being saved over and over. You may have had an initial salvation moment, but then it's a journey of us recommitting and God continuing to teach us what this salvation really means. This prayer uses the word master. O divine master. Master doesn't mean master servant, rather it means master apprentice. O divine master, we pray we are your apprentices, learning from the master how to love the way you love others. You love them. We want to be like the master, so we sit at his feet and learn to master the skill of giving love freely and grace freely. For it is in giving that we receive. I want to tell you about Cami Walker. One month after her wedding, she was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, a chronic progressive disease of the central nervous system. MS can be nasty. Cammie would have flares, excruciating pain in her neck and back. Her arms and legs would go weak and tingly and numb. She had cognitive problems, memory loss and concentration, blurry vision and vertigo. She was given a cane at 34 years old and was pissed about it. She called a friend, a former neighbor, who had worked at the Institute for Health and Healing at California Pacific Hospital. She helped shape a program that married Western medicine with various forms of alternative medicine. Cammie complained, rightfully so, about her situation. And you know what her friend Mbali said? Cammie, I think you need to stop thinking about yourself. I'm sorry, what? She said, if you spend all your time and energy focusing on your pain, you're feeding the disease, you're making it worse by putting all of your attention there. Hmm. She said, I have a prescription for you. I want you to give away 29 gifts in 29 days. What a weird request or prescription. And Bali said to her, these gifts don't have to be material things. Healing doesn't happen in a vacuum. By giving, you're focusing on what you have to offer others inviting more abundance into your life. Giving of any kind is taking a positive action that means the process of change. It'll shift your energy for life. And Bali tells her that giving can make you humble, keep your heart open and revitalize you. Cammie thinks it's crazy and doesn't do it. 
right away. Instead, she decoupages her ugly, awful cane, and she sits in pain, incredibly sad. And then one night, she decides to try it. Although her MS doesn't go away, it does become more manageable. She gains confidence in herself as she gives of herself. Cammie calls Mbali, who says back to her, no matter how much we have materially, we are often in a place of scarcity. We never think that we have enough or that we are enough. Instead of getting lost in a sense of lack, once we realize that we're a part of something bigger, it becomes clear we have many gifts to offer the world. The gifts can be anything from spare change to a kind word or thought. Along with giving them, the prescription involved thinking in, of things to be grateful for each day and reflecting on the tradition of giving in your family. 26 days in, Cammie started a website called 29 Gifts where she wrote, when I started my challenge, I wanted to see what would happen in my life if I focused my energy on giving for 29 days. What space would it create for new and unexpected things to occur? What shifts would I see in my thinking and behavior as a result? There were, these were just two of my questions that I was curious about in the beginning, but there's no way I could have anticipated what unfolded for me. By day 26, I was astounded by the magical and miraculous shifts in my life. I'm feeling happier and healthier and more in awe of life. I find myself smiling and laughing more and more every day. My body is stronger and I'm recovering from the MS flare that's plagued me for months. I was even able to stop walking with my cane by the end of week two. And Cammie connects with God in a new way. She acknowledges that when we give or receive that we're in connection with God. She said, I see my inner dependence with other people and with God as a source of power in my life. What a powerful testimony, isn't it? God has given us all the good things in our life. You're here. You get it. We're grateful for all that God has given us. We are also given the opportunity to learn from the master how to use the gifts that God has given us to share with others. We share with others out of our gratitude for God and God's grace. <laughs> We're human and that comes with a lot of baggage. It can be difficult to share our resources that we've worked hard for or share our time or our heart. I like Cammie's way of helping us get out of our way and just give. Give your time, your smile, your dollars, your baking skills or your accounting skills. You could try it for 29 days. Keep a little notebook of what you gave and how you changed. I bet you'll see God in it. I can't wait to hear your stories. Okay, here are three takeaways. When you give of yourself, you connect with God and others. When you give of yourself, it can make you humble, keep your heart open, and your spirit is renewed. 
When you give of yourself, you receive peace. What space can you create for new and unexpected things to occur? What would happen if you focused on giving for a season? What if you gave yourself away?
Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. And if you'd like more information, go to www.gosaintandrew.com. See you next week.